welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. This is episode 238, Recognizing Holy Ground. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up as a child in church, there were certain songs that just stood out. I mean, from Just As I Am, as an invitational hymn, uh, one that's popular with everyone, especially when I was growing up, because it was the invitational hymn for Billy Graham's Crusades. There are many others, obviously Amazing Grace. And, but there was one that, as I was sitting here mentally and emotionally preparing to record today's podcast, I could not get the words out of my mind. And they birthed the podcast title for today. It's a song that I have put a link in the show notes to a recording. It's part of the Gaither recordings of this song called Holy Ground. Now, when I typed it in, because I only know of one song <laughs> called Holy Ground, I found out that there's this mega popular pop artist who has a song by the same title. And after this is all over, I think I'm going to go check out the lyrics because I just, I, I just am not sure what Holy Ground she might be talking about, but I doubt it's the exact same as what we're talking about today. I'm going to read you the first verse and the chorus to the version of Holy Ground that I want to use as our jumping off point today. It's when I walked through the doors, I sensed his presence. And I knew this was a place where love abounds. For this is a temple, the, the God we love abides here. Oh, we are standing in his presence on holy ground. We are standing on holy ground, for I know that there are angels all around. Let us praise Jesus now, for we are standing in his presence on holy ground. And I just, there's especially the, the beginning of the chorus that just, not only are the lyrics wonderful, but the music goes perfectly to that theme. And it just brings you into this place of worship, in my opinion. And as I was preparing and thinking through this whole idea of holy ground, I began to think about places in my life, places in my own house right now, where I have had an experience with God that causes that space to be holy. So our weekly assignment feature is, where are the places of holy ground in your spiritual history? Take a few moments to reflect and thank the Lord. And I've already done that just sitting here. I, there's two that are just standing out right at this very moment. I've mentioned the corner of one of my rooms multiple times because in that corner is really where this podcast got its seed. And then there's another place outside of my house, just outside near my steps, where I pretty much look to heaven and say, God, if you do not provide 
I cannot go on. There's got something's got to break here is what was what's happening. And of course, God provided and we are still here, but it's a place that is sacred to me. But it becomes commonplace because it's a place that I visit literally every day. I walk through it. And so I hadn't remembered. And so that's what I, I want us to do today is to just take a moment to reflect upon those places where you've met God. It may be in a church sanctuary. It may be in your car on the way to work where you've had the greatest experiences with God's holiness. It's been a few years back, but I was driving and all of a sudden I was driving on an interstate and all of a sudden I just felt as though I might pass out. Uh, it just came up on me all of a sudden, had no idea what was going on. There's really not a good place to pull over where I was. And in that place and in that space, I truly heard the words to the Carrie Underwood song, Jesus Take the Wheel, because that was, that was all I could do. That was my prayer in that moment. And God got me to a safe place to pull off eventually. And I had had a gas leak in my house and did not know it and had inhaled those fumes. I, eventually I figured all this out, but that's a sacred space. And I passed right over it today and did not even think about it because the more we tread in those sacred spaces, the more commonplace they can become and the more we can forget just how God met us there. This will be our last podcast in the book of 2 Samuel. And of all things, I'm going to read the text from 1 Chronicles instead of 2 Samuel. And here's the reason. The story is the same. But the writer, the chronicler, writes more detail. And I would rather us go in that direction. Starting next week, we will truly be in the ending days of David's life. We've been in the ending phases of David's life over the last few weeks, but we're definitely going to take a major turn starting next week as we begin First Kings. Can you believe that we are really going to finish the books of First and Second Samuel? We've been in this probably for a couple of years. I should go back and look just to see uh, just how long we've been hanging out in here. And I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. You know, I've taught through the books of First and Second Samuel before, but it's been a few years. And what I have noticed this time through is that... God has really given me some new perspectives on some of these stories, even stories that are quite well known, not just the obscure ones like today's. <laughs> today's is pretty obscure. Not just those, but even on the well-known ones, such as the one that we usually refer to as David and Bathsheba. And I thank God for it because it's it's transformed how I, I see those parts of uh, Israel's history. 
And so today we will finish up this, this section where we begin with David in a place where it was confusing for those of you who've been on here with us for a few weeks. It was confusing because in Second Samuel, it said that the Lord incited David to take a census, whereas in the book of First Chronicles, it said that Satan incited him, but obviously God had a hand in it. God was really ticked at Israel, and we do not know why. We just know that he was very ticked at Israel, and David took a census, so he spent major military guys' time for approaching a year, not quite a year, going around taking a census so he could know how many fighting men he had. Because we, this wasn't fighting men and women. This was fighting men. And God was not pleased. At, but God had been involved in it from the very beginning. God had not incited him to sin. That is not what happened. But God was going to use this opportunity to teach the Israelites another lesson about consequences. And we saw that God, this is this rare, rare, rare scripture. I mean, this whole passage, all of 2 Samuel 24 is really, really unique. in the fact that God gave David three choices as to how the punishment was going to come. And the first two options were through the hands of men. And David chose option number three, and that was to fall on the mercies of the Lord. And we're going to see kind of the tail end of how that played out in today's text, because I picked up a couple of verses that we covered last week. I picked them up to kind of set the stage for this. I'm going to try as best I can to just read this section without any commentary and then to come back to it because it's it's just it's quite the extraordinary event and especially when you read it from the book of First Chronicles because in there you see the angelic activity and you not only see it, but David and the leaders of Israel saw it as well. And so I want you to try to imagine being David in this time. When he knows that he sinned, he knows that the people of Israel have sinned, he knows that God is justified in punishing them, and the angel of the Lord has been going about, and many have died as a result. And David is in Jerusalem, which is the capital, and he sees the angel of the Lord hovering above Jerusalem. In other words, you hear that music that you hear in motion pictures when everything is getting ready to just be dark and doom-filled. And that's where we join the narrative. So again, 1 Chronicles 21, 16 through 30. David looked up and saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth with his sword drawn, 
reaching out over Jerusalem. So David and the elders, David and the leaders of Israel put on burlap to show their deep distress and fell face down on the ground. And David said to God, I am the one who called for the census. I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. But these people are as innocent as sheep. What have they done? Oh, Lord, my God, let your anger fall against me and my family, but do not destroy your people. Then the angel of the Lord told Gad to instruct David to go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him through Gad. Aruna, who was busy threshing wheat at the time, turned and saw the angel there. His four sons, who were with him, ran away and hid. When Aruna saw David approaching, he left his threshing floor and bowed before David with his face to the ground. David said to Aruna, let me buy this threshing floor from you at its full price. Then I will build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my lord the king. Use it as you wish, Aruna said to David. I will give the oxen for the burnt offerings and the threshing boards for wood to build a fire on the altar and the wheat for the grain offering. I will give it all to you. But King David replied to Aruna, No, I insist on buying it for the full price. I will not take what is yours and give it to the Lord. I will not present burnt offerings that have cost me nothing. So David gave Aruna 600 pieces of gold in payment for the threshing floor. David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And when David prayed, the Lord answered him by sending fire from heaven to burn up the offering on the altar. Then the Lord spoke to the angel who put the sword back into its sheath. When David saw that the Lord had answered his prayer, he offered sacrifices there at Aruna's threshing floor. At that time, the tabernacle of the Lord and the altar of burnt offering that Moses had made in the wilderness were located at the place of worship in Gibeon. But David was not able to go there to inquire of God because he was terrified by the drawn sword of the angel of the Lord. And if I had read this from 2 Samuel, you would have missed the drawn sword of the angel of the Lord and the fact that David and his leaders were able to see this angel. I mean, I am awful at making visual pictures, but even I can come up with some sort of image. And it leaves me awestruck that God chose to show that to David and to the leaders. You would think that after that, they would be more inclined to take the Lord seriously and to do as he said. Now, I... I nearly made the podcast about verse 24. Uh, Verse 24 is, But King David replied to Aruna, No, I insist on buying it for the full price. I will not take what is yours and give it to the Lord. I will not present burnt offerings that have cost me nothing. And that's a concept in Scripture where it can't be an offering if you are not offering anything. And, and that's what David is getting across, that he's not going to take what somebody else gives and present it to the Lord as if it's his. And we can all appreciate that. But, wow, what an incredible story. What an incredible visual there is there about the angel and the sword and, and his sheath. 
like we we see angels in scripture but rarely do we see them <laughs> in this type of visual imagery but that's not what makes this a place of holy ground in Israelite history there's a few reasons so in this place God met David there so Gad was the seer that David had been using to speak to God and to learn from God now why David had gone from directly talking to the Lord which he had had that privilege in his younger years to having a seer I do not know the answer and no I'm not going to conjecture on it either but Gad had told David to build an altar at that place and this is one of those holy places in the history of Israel it's not usually referred to as a holy place or a place of holy ground because of what I just read. I mean, this is a truly obscure story in the end of 2 Samuel 24 that unless you're reading the Bible through in a year, you're probably not going to come upon it. You probably, most pastors have not preached on it unless they were preaching through the book of 2 Samuel or the life of David, possibly. So it was holy because at that place, the Lord definitely met with David. He sent down fire from heaven to burn up the burnt offerings. I mean, what a sight this would have been for all of Jerusalem and how this word would have spread throughout all of Israel. So I am someone who really is thankful for biblical commentaries now I'm never going to tell you that every word out of every one of them is the gospel truth so to speak because it's not because it's written by human beings and not inspired word such as scripture but commentaries help me to understand context not only context when it comes to where something is in the context of scripture but in this case, where this location is. Because reading this, this just looks like Aruna's threshing floor. And David bought it. And this amazing event happened there. And that's it. But that is not the case. So there's already been another huge holy ground moment happen right about this same space. And that would be Abraham taking little boy Isaac up on the mountain per God's instructions and God showing mercy because of Abraham's faith. This is the place. And if I didn't have those commentaries, I would not know that. But to take it even further... I finished by reading 1st Samuel, 1st Samuel, 1st uh, Chronicles, the 21. But I want to go to the first verse of 1st Chronicles 22. Here we go. 
Then David said, This will be the location for the temple of the Lord God and the place of the altar for Israel's burnt offerings. So this is the place, not only holy ground because of the incredible event that God, Abraham, Isaac on the mountain, and then David, the people of Jerusalem on behalf of the people of Israel, of seeing the angel literally stop his forward movement of destruction and put his sword in his sheath and stop the plague and the burnt offerings being burnt up. But this is the place where the temple of the Lord was built. Temple number one being Solomon's temple and temple number two, which was the much smaller version when the Israelites returned from captivity. And somewhere in this general area, it would appear that the temple that will never leave will be constructed one of these days. Like this is a place where God has met with his people over and over again. It'll be a little while until we get to Solomon and the temple, but the dedication ceremony that Solomon led dedicating the temple to the Lord and his service is just absolutely beautiful. And it's another one of those places that again just heaps upon this place that this is a place of holy ground. So your places of holy ground may not be a place where you saw an angel in the sky that stopped destruction. It may not be a place where you saw the Lord burn up your burnt offerings. But what did that place look like? Where have you encountered the Holy, the Holy One of Israel? the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. There have been some weeks sitting in this chair where I record this podcast that I have felt the Lord's presence so strongly that I tear up because I'll start off in one direction and he will turn me around in the midst. And I know that surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Where are your places of holy ground? And I strongly encourage you to take a few moments just to reflect. It may be that you are marching forward with the Lord and you are in the best place in your relationship ever. But some of you, that is not the case. When you think about the places of holy ground, Those were ones of your younger years. And you have none to speak of for a long time. Not because the Lord did not want to meet with you, but because you have not been open to meeting with Him. 
How about today? How about right where you stand, sit, or lay? How about that become a place of holy ground? How about surrendering to the Lord as David surrendered in this time? I mean, David was offering up his own life on behalf of his life and the lives of his family members on behalf of the people of Israel. Like he had come from it's all about me to dear God, please have mercy. Today, today you could be standing on holy ground. God's word says that if you seek him, you will find him. If you seek him with all of your heart. Start this very moment. Dear God, I thank you for this unique story in the life of David and the people of Israel. Dear Father, any of us who have come to know you as Lord and Savior have experienced you in some holy places. They may not have been holy from a construction or like a human standpoint because it in our ordinary life we're not always in the best of places but dear god none of these places are beyond where you can reach and i pray for each person within the sound of my voice i pray dear god that you would reach down this very moment that you would soften our hearts, that you would open up our spiritual eyes and ears, that you would give each of us your attitude towards sin, that you would release us to believe anything that is holding us back would be torn away and that you would transform our lives into shining examples of your grace and mercy, that we could look back and see that where we are right now is a place where we met with you, experienced your mercy and love. Dear God, I thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. For any of you out there who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe you have been a part of a religion and you're not sure what in the world this country-sounding girl is talking about when she's talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, you can reach out to me at encouragingothersandlovingjesus at gmail.com. There's also a link down below that says, I want to begin a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You can get some information there. You can get information on resources that I've used for all of the First and Second Samuel podcast. That's got to change starting next week. And you've got information on the the suicide and crisis lifeline. I'm going to keep that on my podcast notes for the rest of my time. Because I never know who might need to know that. And then at the very bottom, you've got a QR code. And that will take you to the hidden episodes. As well as every episode that has been recorded. Whether I recorded it under the title, A Country Girl in a City World Loving Jesus. Or whether it was recorded 
as part of the Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus set, which is now growing each and every week. Thank you for tuning in. And just remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. Mm-hmm.